What's up everybody? It's Owen here from the Hiker Podcast. I hope you're all keeping very well. Now, remember when I said in the season two trailer that I recorded a podcast and kind of forgot to upload it? Yeah, this is it. So just before Christmas, I interviewed Julia Rocket Sheehan, a long distance hiker from the United States. And I intended to upload it around the end of the year um, as the last episode of the season but I think the Christmas spirit just took over um, one thing led to another and I just didn't upload it and for that I am eternally sorry but don't go throwing the toys out of the pram just yet it's here I'm, I'm going to play it now I had a great chat with Julia we spoke about some of her adventures including her amazing journey along the Appalachian Trail and uh, she actually made a movie about it just go find Julia Sheehan on YouTube and you'll find that amongst many other really useful videos actually uh, about you know getting into through hiking things you need to know things you need to pack um, she also has videos about her other adventures like the Oregon Coast Trail and the Laurel Highlands Trail uh, among others Julia is actually currently on the Arizona Trail, uh, so if you go follow Julia on her social media channels, on Instagram basically, you can follow her journey along the Arizona Trail uh, right now for those that want a little bit of that adventurous spirit, because some of us are restricted to five kilometers from our house. That's just the world we live in now. Before we get into the interview, just a bit of housekeeping. Uh, we really want to know what you think about this podcast. I'd love to hear some feedback. Is there anything that we're not touching on? Is there any subjects that you'd like to hear about? Is there any kind of conversations or guests that you'd like to hear from? Let us know. Uh, just send an email to podcast at hiker.co. That's podcast at hiker, H-I-I-K-E-R, dot C-O. Uh, let us know what you think. Like every episode, this podcast is powered by Hiker long distance hiking trails currently we have mapped nearly 1700 long distance trails from around the world from walks in the woods to mountain traverses to nations spanning through hikes hiker has a trail for everyone who wants to truly explore the great outdoors download the hiker app for free in your app store now or head over to hiker.app to discover your next great adventure well whoever wrote that is a genius so here we go, my interview with Julia Rocket Sheehan. Enjoy. Where did hiking come for you in, I suppose, your life? You know, was, was it a, a moment where, you know, you just decided to go and start hiking one day or was your family particularly outdoorsy and they got you into it at an early age? Where, where did it actually start? So my hiking journey is kind of weird so growing up we lived in like a suburban rural area where we were surrounded by farmland and forests so growing up we lived in the woods behind my family's house um, we you know made forts we ran through the woods we chased bears and deers and squirrels and we were just you know always out swimming 
hiking, just doing, you know, mountain biking, four wheeling. Um, but it wasn't until I was in my mid to late twenties that I actually discovered like the therapy of, of walking through the forest. I was in nursing school when I was 26. It was very stressful trying to figure out where my life was going, what I wanted to do. Nursing school was the most stressful thing I had done at that point, even being a veteran. And I would find myself taking my dog and we would go out and we would just call, I called it walking in the woods. So we would just put on some music. We would go walk some trails in the local park. And I realized that that's where I really felt at peace. So I would do that a few times a week. And then I became a nurse, moved back to Pennsylvania and, you know, nursing was very um, exhausting. And so I found myself looking at other avenues of like how to live without living completely by the books, like that the American society tells me I have to do. And that's where I just kind of discovered this long distance backpacking idea. And it just kind of was born from that. And I never looked back. Uh, so through hiking, were you familiar with through hiking at the time? Like when you got into walking through the woods and going for, you know, long walks with listening to music with your dog, was through hiking even on the radar? Did you know about the Appalachian Trail or the PCT or any of the, the, the long hikes? I had seen the movie Wild when it came out in whatever year, but didn't really relate that to something that like thousands of people do. I thought this just crazy woman went out and met a few other dozen crazy people. And it didn't relate to me. I love the movie because I love that sense of adventure. I've always been very adventurous with traveling and stuff like that, but it didn't ring a bell that that existed. And then when I moved from the Midwest back to the East coast, my sister had said something about this Appalachian trail and it didn't make any sense to me. And she said, we should go out and go hiking on this trail. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And she's like, it's really long. It's like 2000 miles. Didn't think anything of it until I started just discovering that people did this long distance backpacking through social media. And that was when I realized, oh my gosh, this has kind of been like hanging in my head for years. I just haven't related, like haven't related it to all those things that I've seen, but I know whenever I was exposed to those things, they felt really good. So it just kind of was birthed out of moving back to the East coast, my sister bringing it up. And then just kind of all of a sudden my social media feeds were just kind of like force feeding this, like through hiking community. And it just kind of, I just drank it in and just what rolled right with it. And next thing you know, I was selling my house and quitting my job. Wow. So at the, the timeline then from kind of discovering the Appalachian trail or Appalachian trail, whatever way you want to pronounce it, from discovering that, to selling your house and quitting your job and, and uh, getting to the, to the starting uh, to the start line. What was that timeline like? I think I had about a hundred days from the moment I decided. And like I discovered through hiking in maybe November of 2018 um, by December of 2018, I had committed that if I could sell my house by March, I would hike that year. And my house sold in January. Um, it pretty much sold overnight. The closing process was very quick, full, full price, asking offer like it was like I said if, if my house sells and I don't owe a ton of money on it maybe I can make it work and like 24 hours later I had a full asking price offer in cash and I thought well if this is if I believed in destiny like this would probably be the sign so it was about a hundred days from the moment I discovered and committed to the moment I was on the Appalachian Trail. Wow it's a quick turnaround. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't even know how I managed to save the money because I didn't have much money saved because I had just bought a house the year before. Yeah. And I was just able to save every single penny that I was making. I worked a ton of overtime. I worked five or six days a week. So I was working like 70 hours a week to save money. I spent no money on anything other than gear and resupply boxes. And I was able to save the money and make it happen. And just kind of, I don't know, I, I'm not like one of those big destiny fate kind of people but I mean it really worked out in a way that I can't explain 
uh, that's actually something that we've been looking in, into ourselves <laughs> around the finance for doing something like this because everybody knows that you, you kind of have to give up your life uh drop everything to go and do something like the pct or the at um did, did you know or you know how much money you would need to go and do something like this did you make some sort of calculation did you have a, a spreadsheet a budget sheet and exactly how much you're going to spend per mile so I met some hikers that I hiked with and they kept a spreadsheet of every penny they spent. And for me, I, the research that I had done, it's pretty much saying a thousand dollars a month for all expenses. So if you can, you know, not including if you have like a car payment or a student loan payment, but about a thousand dollars a month to live on the trail. And so I was able to save, how much did I, I think I saved $12,000 in 90 days. Like I saved every penny I made. Um, and I'm very lucky to work as a nurse and make a decent earning. Um, and I was able to sell, save $12,000 in a few months and realized that that should be enough. I mean, had I, you know, an emergency happened and I needed, you know, emergency care or I needed to fly home or something, you know, I would be able to afford that. And when I came home from the trail, I still had $5,500 left. So I had spent about $1,000 a month all inclusive on everything that I needed. So it was almost, it was pretty on the nose. <clears throat> And the, these people that you met, you meet, these are the people that you met when you went out on the trail. Yeah, I met a couple that they lived, um, they're from Hoboken, New York. And they, the girlfriend, um, her name is Bruiser. She kept like a spreadsheet of every penny that they spent. And so they were just, I think, cause she, she works as like a tax accountant, I believe in New York city. Hmm. And so she's very like money oriented. And I think they were just using it to kind of see where all their money was going. And it was really helpful. And I think we came down to the idea that it's about a thousand dollars a month. So that's, uh, it's such an alien thought to me <laughs> to have a spreadsheet, particularly when you're out on trail to, um, uh, to be counting every single penny that you're spending. It's, uh, but it's, I suppose it would be really handy. I know I've got friends that hike and that would do the same thing. It's nice to have those people with you. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. how much do you spend today? Okay, cool. I'm going to try and stick around that number rather than uh, yeah. cheat myself. So do you, do you keep in contact with these pe- the, the people that you went to, your, your tramony, I suppose? Do you, do you still keep in contact with them? I keep in contact with almost every single person that I met at some point on the Appalachian Trail, whether it be just engaging through social media. But this couple that kept the spreadsheet, um, I hiked with them for 1,200 miles. So I we still talk weekly if not daily to the group that I hiked with the second half of the trail so we're in like a big group message on Instagram and so you know whenever we have to vent or talk about things or our upcoming plans we all kind of just talk in there together so it's it's really nice to stay connected to them even after a year and a half and did you you said you spent uh, spent 1200 miles with them was there anybody you you went the entire way with or was it constantly changing so I spent the first about 600 miles with a group that I met at the very beginning. And then I spent about 400 miles of Virginia hiking for the most part on my own. I just wanted to kind of see if I could, if I could wing it on my own. And I actually really enjoyed those miles where I just made all of my own decisions. I spent all of my time focusing on myself. And then I linked up with um, a girl from the very beginning and a few new folks just through like the Shenandoahs for a few hundred miles and then I went home because I injured my knee and I was going to a wedding of a friend. And when I came back on trail, I met this group of people that I hiked the 1200 miles with. So no one completely, I didn't do the, the trail with anyone, but on the day that we summited Mount Katahdin, um, the, the people that I had started the Appalachian trail, they had summited the day before. So we were pretty close. We ended okay. up seeing each other in town the next day. So, 
And so when you went off trail, how long were you off for? I was off trail for 14 days. Um, I had originally planned on getting off trail for seven days to photograph a wedding of a, a coworker. And so I could edit the images and have them return to her. Mm-hmm. So I shot the wedding and was just going to spend a week just editing, you know, the thousand images that I'd taken. Um, but I was planning on getting off in Boiling Springs to go home, but in Harper's Ferry, I couldn't walk. So I had I'd done some damage to my knee through the whole Southern half of the Appalachian Trail really ignored it because I was just really focused on just pushing myself mm-hmm. and it ended up t- almost ending my through hike to the point where when I went home for those two weeks, I had pretty much decided that I wouldn't be returning. God. Uh, so, and were you taking like ibuprofen or something just to keep you going or was it pure drive and adrenaline keeping you going? I had been taking ibuprofen every day since Amicola state park. So I, yeah, I, my liver and kidneys were probably not too impressed with uh, how much ibuprofen I was taking, but I was careful to take it in a, in a spaced out manner. I would take 800 milligrams every eight hours or 600 milligrams every six hours. And um, it worked, you know, no, no harm well, you are, so far. You are a registered nurse. So you, you should know the, the, the correct doses to take. Yes. And you don't, you can overdose on ibuprofen and Tylenol and they're both very dangerous medications if you're not careful. So I was always very careful to not overdo it. Yeah. Um, you served in the military, in the U.S. military. Um, what, what were you doing there? So I went to college for a year and I realized, um, university mentality in the United States can be very toxic. And it was to me because of the partying mentality and the wanting to be in the group. And so, um, when I came home after my freshman year, I was working a bunch of jobs, saving money. And I thought maybe I can just leave. So I went and talked to an air force recruiter And I took my ASVABs, which is like the placement test. And he said, Jules, you know, you can pretty much do whatever you want. You scored high enough to do whatever you want in the Air Force. So I chose 10 jobs that I thought, or 10 or 13 jobs that I thought, these are cool, challenging, something I would never do in the real world. And two days later, he called me and said, you know, we had a person drop out from this job. It's on your list. Do you want to do it? And I said, let's go. So, you know, three days after coming back from taking my ASVABs, I was in basic training, which I was told beforehand that it would take six months to get into the Air Force. So my mom was really taken aback, but um, I ended up becoming an airplane crew chief. So uh, daily maintainer slash mechanic of um, one of our aircrafts. And it was very challenging. I knew nothing about tools and planes and hydraulics and brakes and mechanics of any sort. So it was definitely challenging. Um, I loved it. I got to travel the world, um, got to travel the world and get paid. And and that's and that's the, the the reason why I asked about that was because we spoke before and you you mentioned that you, you got to see a lot of the world and um you mentioned a certain affiliation to uh to to Ireland um did did you get the, the chance to kind of visit the 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 wild parts of it, of these countries did you get to t- to hike at all. So we were generally in towns with like the air, like the airstrip that we could work on. Um, usually if there was a air force base, we would land there. Um, but generally it was just going out seeing the city, having dinner, a few drinks, um, sometimes going to the beach when we were in Sevilla, Spain, um, and just things like that. But, um, when I was coming back from my second deployment, um, we had the decision as the crew. Uh, so I was one of the crew members of the aircraft and they said, you know, would you rather, fly through England, which we had done hundreds of times, or would you rather land in Ireland? And so it was a no brainer that we decided to fly into Ireland for the day. So we flew just outside of Limerick and 
the bus that picked us up had a case of beer under each seat and said, everyone, here's your gift from Ireland. And um, so we're, drink, we're drinking beer. They stop at Dirty Nelly's, which is a very, very old mm-hmm. castle slash pub. And then we had dinner in Limerick. And um, I think some people, they could have chosen to go to the cliffs, which I'm, I'm sorry, I cannot remember what they're called, but like the- Cliffs of Moher, yeah. Yeah, so you could either do that, but because I was a part of the air crew, I couldn't afford the time. So I was still stuck with the airplane for a few hours while everyone was able to kind of go explore. So I was a little, a couple hours behind, but yeah, it was very nice to, uh, to just see Ireland. And my family has a very big um, connection to Ireland. We have a, a family castle actually over there that my uncle has seen. So um, yeah, it's like, I feel connected to Ireland because I'm, you know, half Irish myself. So. And um, seeing these countries and, and being able to visit these, uh, these different countries, has that opened your eyes up to international hiking would, would you ever has sorry i'll be a bit more specific is there any trails internationally that you would like to to do eventually i'm just kind of learning of international hiking systems and um, i'll tell you um once i complete the kind of goals that i have here in the united states my first goal is going to be to do the ta in new zealand okay. um i'm hoping next winter um they'll allow us um, scurvy Americans to come with our COVID. Hopefully we'll be all vaccinated by then and I'll be able to go to New Zealand and hike the TA, but um, Scotland, um, the TGO, Mm -hmm. um, I would love to go explore the Dolomites, um, the Alps. I mean, I would love to backpack through Ireland for a 30 day stint and just backpack, not on a trail system, but just by foot visit the country. Um, Those are, you know, I would love to spend a year abroad just Kind of popping around and just exploring the world that is so similar yet different to the United States mm-hmm. um, and seeing just the history that you know we don't really get to see in our country. So you're planning on potentially doing the TA in winter 2021? Oh, all willing yeah COVID willing yeah. and everything absolutely if they'll have me I would die I would love to go to New Zealand <laughs> so it's definitely on my list. All right. I've been wanting to go there for a very long time. I actually had plans to go in 2020, <clears throat> but uh, that was, that was knocked on the head. So uh, what were your goals there, or what are your goals then for, uh, I assume you mean hiking goals. Maybe there, there are other goals, but what hiking goals have you got left in the U S? So obviously I would like to triple crown um, those two trails that I have remaining there. They're more gorgeous than the Appalachian trail. So of course I want to see something, you know, that's different from what I've already known. But so the Pacific Crest Trail, the Continental Divide, I would love to hit the Colorado Trail, the Arizona Trail. Um, And those are kind of my main trail systems that I want to complete before I go off to do other things. Now, if I had the opportunity to do something in 2022, and I had to save my last Crippled Crown triple crown trail for some other time, then I would absolutely do that. So I'm very open. Um, But for me, I have, you know, I'm 31. So I have a good couple of years left where I'm able to stay active and healthy and young. And so I just want to take full advantage of that time by just getting in as many miles as I can. Yeah. Well, like you've got a lot more than a couple of years. There's, uh, there's people <laughs> that are well in their fifties and sixties, even older that are, are completing these long distance hikes. And that's, that's how I'm seeing it myself. You know, I'm going to be hiking for the rest of my life. So I've got all the time in the world. Although there is yeah. a ridiculous amount of trails out there. So um, I better start soon. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when you went to do the Appalachian Trail, did you go out with the intention of making 
a movie? I had, you know, I, I always thought like I could do something like that. I've always really been interested in photography and videography. Mm. Um, I worked as a, excuse me, I worked as a professional photographer while I was in nursing school. um, And I loved doing that. So for me, the concept of like making vlogs was always going to happen because I just wanted to be able to relive those experiences, but I had no idea that I would be able to put together what I call a vlogumentary. Yeah. And when I came home, I was really, really homesick for the trail. And I thought, you know, I started writing, which, you know, hint, hint, I am working on a book. I have it halfway drafted um, and hopefully, hopefully releasing that at some point in the next couple of years. Um, I don't know if I'll self-publish or if any publishing company wants to chat and be more than willing to chat with them. They all all listen Um, to the podcast. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's why I'm here. (laughs) No, Um, (laughs) but yeah. And when I came home, I was really homesick and I just thought, I got to do something. So I just kind of was going through my old footage and my images. And I thought, you know, wouldn't it be cool to tell this story linearly in like one in one go. So I spent like hundreds of hours, every free minute I had just making this, uh, this documentary and it turned out better than I could have hoped. Mm-hmm. No, it, it is a fantastic video. And I, I just rewatched it there again. Um, it just gives you that kind of human aspect to it. There's a lot, lots of documentaries out there about the Appalachian Trail, but <clears throat> each one has its own flavor. And that's mm-hmm. to you, your editing style, your filming style, and also just the experience that you had yourself. So, you know, you could watch 50 Appalachian Trail uh, or PCT documentaries and they're all going to be different. Um, but well done on it. And you have since then made more videos. Like you've kind of developed a channel and you're, you got over, I think it's like nearly 22,000 subscribers on your channel. Um, so, you know, there's a level of a decent level of success there on your channel. So is this something now you just want to keep, keep going with because it seems to be working? Um, have you got ideas for more videos? Are you going to do the same thing with the PCT and the CDT when you eventually do them? Or what's your plans? For me, the vlogs are, they just are part of my hiking life now because I've done that with almost every trail I've done. For me, I love, I love, love, love and appreciate that people want to watch. Um, but for me, it's so I can relive those memories down the line. And, um, you know, I want to go back and, and smile about the memories that I made with other people and just on trails. So it will definitely be something that I continue to do. Um, it's hard to do it right now when I'm not really doing much in the hiking community. Um, but every chance that I get, I would, you know, I love documenting, you know, what I'm doing just to go back and relive those moments. And I'm so appreciative and kind of blown away that people are interested in like what I'm doing and having to say, and it just makes me feel so like loved and special and just part of a community that is just so beautiful. And I suppose uh, a shining beacon of that community was what your recent hike then with, with, with Maggie and with Becca when you did the OCT um what what drew you to do that how did that come about I think Maggie had posted something or Becca had posted something on Instagram and Maggie and I both kind of commented something similar um I'm not exactly sure what it was but in that aspect Maggie reached out to both Becca and I and said hey girls like there's not really much going on this year you know if COVID looks okay would you guys be willing to meet up in the fall and do a hiking you know like a girls group hiking adventure. And so, um, Maggie was visiting, um, Oregon and Becca lives in Tacoma, Washington. So it kind of made sense to meet there, um, and just kind of laugh through a part of the OCT. And 
it just kind of was burst out of this idea of like, let's just do something for right now because, you know, this year has really been kind of terrible. So it was kind of just by luck and Maggie just reaching out to us. And it turned out to be one of the best parts of my year. Well, it's some way to cap it off anyway, when you're doing absolutely nothing else. Well, (laughs) hiking wise, you're not doing anything else and go and do something like that. Like some of the, the, uh, the pictures and the videos looked absolutely stunning but was it was it because Becca lives so close and because just because Maggie Maggie was going there anyway that that's the the reason why you chose that trail or was there anything else that drew we you? Had, we had a few on our list, some in the southwest, um, but ultimately it just made sense to be kind of closer to where they had places to be. And having never really been in Oregon, only driving through, um, I was just you know after I started researching the OCT, I thought you know this. Either way, it's either going to be miserable because it rains every day and it's going to be cold or it's going to be beautiful. And we got a nice mix of um, pain and pleasure. But um, yeah, it just kind of made sense to do it at that spot, even though we knew it was not in the right season and the weather would probably be terrible. But it ended up we ended up getting very lucky. But I wouldn't recommend doing it in October or November. If, if I could make a recommendation, it would be do it in the summer. <laughs> as far as I know, I haven't been to Oregon, um, but as far as I know, Oregon shares a very similar uh, climate to Ireland. So, yeah, I would highly recommend summer, just, just summer. Just from, summer. May, from, <laughs> yeah. from May to July or August, don't do it any later than that. Um, so actually, going back to the, the AT, AT is where you picked up your trail name. Um, and I keep forgetting to ask a lot of people that come on to this, this uh, podcast, but I want to ask you, how did you guess your, your trail name? So my trail name, it's because I'm rocket fast. I wish it's not because I'm super fast, but um, we were in the Smokies and every day I wake up and my nose is just always running and, you know, you don't have a box of tissues at your disposal. So I'm always just, you know, doing the one finger over the nostril and snot rocketing. So um, it just made sense that I was snot rocket rocket for short but I won't be upset if you call me snot rocket because it is my, it is me. Uh, I do identify with that as well. So um, it just, yeah, we, there was a bunch of rockets that hiked in 2019. One was because he snored very loud and I got to experience that. Um, Didn't love that. And then another was just a girl because she could hop off the trail to use the bathroom and come back very fast. So um, there's different, there was different rockets out there. Um, So yeah, mine was just because I had a very runny nose and to this day, I still blow my nose dozens of times a day. So um and how what what was life like or how did you adapt back into the using air quotes real world coming back off the AT so when I got off trail I had about a month before I went back to work Hmm. and so I ended up going up to the Adirondacks to visit um a friend from the AT and I went up to Vermont hiked Camel's Hump which I believe is part of the long trail which was amazing beautiful I maybe have plans to hike the long trail next year um to be determined but um and I did a couple of you know I did some trips where I was just kind of hanging around for a month went and hung out with my family and then I you know when my apartment was ready I moved back to Pittsburgh and the very next day I was um, back to work um and I spent the next four to six months just crying every day and I mean I'm not going to sugarcoat that I was my postural depression was like debilitating okay i I couldn't, I couldn't like function, um, you know, and then I started maybe drinking a little too much and just trying to cope with it that way. And that was also unhealthy. So it was, 
I'm not going to be the person to say like, I came home and I was changed because I was, Mm -hmm. but then I ended up, you know, making a, you know, a long list of mistakes when I tried to cope with um, being a normal person that isn't rocket anymore, where I go to the grocery store and people don't, you know, people don't, I don't know people in the grocery store. People aren't looking at me and saying like, Oh, you're that girl that just did something so amazing. I was just another person walking down the street and it was, it was tough. Um, and I still struggle with it. Um, you know, once in a while I'll think about how I miss that girl that I am, but you know, got to be every day and hopefully I can get back to that soon. So. Yeah. Well, like it's what I actually gather from a lot of people that are into hiking. Now I, I, I don't have personal experience of the through hiker, you know, something, you know, of that distance, the longest hike I've ever done is a hundred miles. Um, obviously I'm, I've got my list and I'm hopefully going to, uh, get it through hiking at some point, but I speak to so many people about the post trail, getting back into real life and that it is actually quite tough and it's, you're not alone in that. It is really, really tough for a lot of people. I suppose a lot of people can relate to that with their week vacation or the two week vacation. And um, when they come back and they've gone back to work and they can't really switch back on yet because their mind is still in this different world, whether it just be sitting on the side of a beach or, you know, hiking up uh, a mountain side. I think everybody can have a little bit of that. But if you're spending three, four months walking from one end of the country to the other, that's going to take a long time for you to be able to readjust to the real world. Or again, I use re- quotes, real world. What is really the mm-hmm. real world? Um, but I think, yeah, I think everybody can kind of take a slice of that and, and know exactly what you're talking about. But yes, just, <laughs> I, that's the, that's, uh, and sorry, that's probably the reason why people go and do the Triple Crown or go and just hike for the rest of their life and just realize this world where they can do that. And I think you've kind of discovered a bit of that where you can, you can have a part of the, again, the, the real life, quote, uh, quote unquote, but also have the hike life and go and mm-hmm. do the, the triple crown and go and do the TA and hike all, all over Europe. Uh, but I think it, 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 it does resonate with a lot of people. Um, yeah. So, okay. Um, now on to the serious stuff. Um, I like, I like to talk about food in the podcast. Um, <clears throat> Are you a foodie on the trail or are you just, you know, food is energy. Let's get it in and let's go. Oh, I hate admitting my diet on the trail because it's all junk food. That's um, Sometimes I'll pack out an avocado or a banana or some apples, uh-huh. but I love the Doritos and the Mike and Ike's and the Reese's cups. And, um, you know, my, my meals were the same. It was Spanish rice broccoli cheddar rice. Sometimes if I felt, you know, like spending a couple extra dollars, I would get the mountain house meals, but now I'm a vegetarian. So I am a little more limited on what I can eat on trail, but yeah, I'm not one of those people that like cooks dinner. I just throw water and some rice and throw a cheese stick in there and it's gourmet to me. So I'm, but I did hike with a couple of chefs and they were cooking, you know, basil pasta and, and um, tempeh and like all kinds of really good things that just kind of had me jealous, but I also didn't want to put in any of that effort to cooking. So. So you, uh, with the, again, with these through hikes, it's a different thing to going out, you know, on a three day, four day hike, you're, you're out for days, weeks possibly. And then you get into a town and there's, there's your town food. Like, did you stay, did you have a couple of zeros where you're like, 
I'm going to go to McDonald's today or I'm going to, you know, just sit in a, in a burger restaurant all day. You know, did you have any of those kind of experiences? My, my trail foods were always the same. So if there was McDonald's, that was always our first stop because we were usually ravenous by the time we got to town. So we'd stop and get a bunch of McChicken, some French fries and, you know, cheeseburgers, which now I would never eat because I'm a vegetarian, but, um, and then we would, you know, we'd get showers, we'd do laundry. And then we always ended up at like a burger or pizza place and hands down the last half of the trail, all I ever wanted was a Caesar salad. So I ate a, a massive Caesar salad and um, then I would either get a pizza or like a, a burger and that's like all I ate, like for the entire 1200 miles of the second half of the trail, um, was just Caesar salads, pizza, burgers. That's all I craved. Um, and you know, then, it, then when summer came, I became the ice cream junkie where I, if it took me an extra 20 minutes to go get ice cream, I was going to go get ice cream every, <laughs> every chance I got. I mean, I probably ate, oh my gosh, 200 ice cream cones in 172 days on the trail. I think I, we have very similar habits. I, I've been speaking to so many people that are just like, yeah, I like I tried to, you know, just eat cashew nuts and dates and, you know, anything that was going to give me high calorie, high fiber, good amount of carbohydrates. I'm like, yeah, but what about the Doritos? What about the ice cream? You know, yeah, you could like, this is the thing. Yeah. Okay. You want to be healthy, but, and you don't want to put on weight when you're out in the trail, but also that's not such, such a bad thing sometimes. Yeah. You just want to yeah. eat food. I actually gained, I gained four pounds at the end of the Appalachian Trail, but I had lost so much, so many inches, like none of my clothing fit for like three months when I got home, Um, but I had gained four pounds. So, you know, let me be a lesson to you that it's not about weight on the trail. It's just about being strong. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you are roughing it for three, four months on a trail. So yeah, do what you want. You have to listen to your body and just do what it wants. If it wants that bag of Doritos, go get that bag of Doritos. Get two bags of Doritos. You get two bags of Doritos. Maybe <laughs> have a bag of spinach a bit, you know, once every two weeks. Have your Caesar salad in town and call it nutrition. <laughs> but there is, I, I, I do get that about the Caesar salad. My, I think my thing was, it was always an apple. I always wanted mm-hmm. a juicy, I don't know if you have them in the, in the States, is uh, pink lady apples. Oh, they're so good. My God. It's just, it's all I crave at the end is either that or a can of Coke for some reason. Just something mm-hmm. that's like juicy and it's going to like quench this thirst. And I always wanted an apple. Um, and that, that was my health kick. That was the, the part where I went, okay, I've just eaten a whole tub of Ben and Jerry's and <laughs> uh, a share bag of Doritos. I'm just going to have an apple and then that just call it, that, that'll uh, cancel everything out. Absolutely. It's true. It's science. I'm a nurse. Right. Take it from me. It's recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> actually uh, don't listen to me because i'm not want to lose my license over telling you <laughs> <of> ben and jerry's <laughs> can i get your uh registered nurse number there i was going to put it in the description of the podcast yeah um, it's one two three four five six seven <laughs> dr fake or nurse fake um, <laughs> yeah. i also want to ask you about gear and um, i know it's you know cliche questions to ask in a, in a, in a hiking podcast but uh when you went hiking the AT, this is your first kind of, would it be, would have been your first backpacking trip? Or? Yeah, first ever. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So what kind of research did you do into what kind of gear you brought? And did you, did you do the same thing as everybody else and completely overpack? You know, I only sent home a very few things like an entire box of band-aids and like tape that like I used KT tape that I didn't use. 
Um, but um, my gear was almost exactly the same from beginning to end, other than um, I did send home my mid layers, you know, in summer. Um, but yeah, I, I literally just researched what everyone else had used the year before. And then I just bought that <laughs> and, uh, you know, try to find like more ultralight lightweight gear choices just because I, you know, I am five foot two. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I don't want to carry 50, 60 pounds. So my base weight was about 20 pounds, maybe 22 pounds. Um, I have it down to about 12 to 15 now, wow. um, just making different choices and getting a different pack. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I didn't overpack. It's weird. I, I, but maybe I did overpack the entire time. There was a, probably a few things that I could have sent home, but I was more willing to carry them than to be, you know, more uncomfortable. So it was kind of like worth having a pair of pajamas and town clothes um, to me. Like I don't consider that overpacking because I wore them every every chance I could. So you carried a p- a pajamas through the entire I, population trail. <laughs> I carried a tank top that I wore to sleep okay. just because um, in the event of like a wild animal attack or a forest fire, I didn't want to be running around, you know, naked through the forest. And during the day, you know, all my clothes were drenched in sweat and I didn't yeah. really feel like going to sleep in disgusting, smelly clothing. So I always had a tank top. Um, and then I had a town romper, which was like three ounces of just fabric that I wore um, in town in the summer because, you know, it was so hot and like wearing my puffy jacket or my rain jacket as clothing, you know, when it's 90 degrees was very uncomfortable. So I always had just a, maybe a few luxury items, like a so hairbrush. When you said that, I actually just pictured this big fluffy onesie that you were just carrying <laughs> the entire way. I, just, I, I wear it once a week. I swear it's worth it. Uh, so you didn't do the monster thing. You didn't do the... the uh, the um yeah the monster from from wild and pack a, a nice pick or, or anything like that no i did not i you know i i don't know how she carried all that stuff but yeah i know i think i think my pack was decent and i still use a lot of the same gear i've just made a few changes and gotten rid of a couple of things that i and i, I carried two pots with me the entire time like i mm-hmm. didn't need two pots they were super lightweight so now i've just gotten rid of one of the pots and saved you know three ounces so well, I think I will certainly be learning some lessons from you in terms of your gear. I'm terrible at it. I, like I've been behind for years and I'm still carrying like half of my own body weight on my back. So I need to <laughs> tighten that up. Um, that's kind of all the questions that I really had for you. Um, like, is there, is there anything you want to uh, touch on? Is there anything, any plans that you have that you'd like to talk about? Um, I know it's kind of a, Strange question to ask, you know, is there anything you want to talk about in the podcast? Um, you know, I, I've been kind of putting off talking about my plans for next year, just because I don't want them to like fall through the cracks and not be able to go. But I mean, I can talk a little bit about, um, what my plans are in the upcoming year. Um, this year obviously was completely foiled with COVID, but Mm -hmm. you know, COVID willing, I have, over 4,000 miles planned next year. So pray for my knees. Um, I plan on setting out on the Arizona trail and doing a through hike of the Arizona trail Mm -hmm. um, early next year. And then I plan on hopefully hopping over to the CDT or the PCT uh, yet to be determined based on the PCTA's recommendations. Um, But I will be attempting one, one of those trails. And then recently I was invited from a wonderful group of women to do the long trail next fall. So if I'm able to complete the CDT or PCT um, and my knees still work, I will be hopefully through hiking the long trail too next year. So 
those are my three goals. You know, I plan on being gone for the majority of the year, which would be so amazing because the real quote unquote real world to me just isn't the same anymore. I feel like I've never gone back to the woman that I was before I left. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good thing. Um, and then, you know, if New Zealand will have me, I would love to spend next winter in New Zealand doing the, the TA. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. Like it's such a, a list to have. Um so much to look forward to and you know having uh, like we were talking about earlier on having that that life of on the trail you know that hike life um will you have to work in between that or are you able to just you know finish up in before you go off and do the um the arizona trail and that that's you done for the year or will you have to come back and work before you go on to do the long trail depending on how fast i hike i shouldn't shouldn't have to work in between any of them, which is the goal. Um, because I will be quitting my job, which is devastating because I love the hospital I work for and have worked for since I became a nurse. Mm -hmm. Um, but sometimes you realize that you have to move on to different things. So, um, you know, if I'm able to do all 4,300 miles of these trail systems next year, I will probably be relocating to the Southwest or Pacific Northwest or somewhere not in the Northeast. Um, I need to go somewhere different. I'm ready for a bigger mountains, different landscapes, new people. Um, I love Pittsburgh and I love Pennsylvania, but I'm ready to just, I think, um, move on to new experiences. So that will be my goal is really next year will be, you know, completely changing for me and I won't be coming home. So that is the goal. So if anyone needs a roommate in Utah, Arizona, Washington, Oregon, let me know. <laughs> I'll do a little, uh, an extra push in that area for the podcast. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I think 2021 and going forward is just going to change for so many people, uh, particularly in the outdoors community. I know hiking and the outdoors community where we are has exploded over the last 12 months in particular. Um, long distance hiking, I'm sure you have noticed this yourself, has just gotten so popular. Um, and it's fantastic for the industry. It's fantastic for to to get people outdoors more not just on long long distance trails but just get outdoors and get hiking and i'd like to thank you on behalf of all of our listeners and behalf of the hiking community for for kind of being that bastion or being that beacon to get people outdoors uh, because your videos and your social media and everything that you do is, is so inspiring and i'm sure people um watch that and are inspired to go out and get it outdoors and whether it be you know a couple of hours outdoors or it be a, a, a through hike of the Appalachian Trail, um, I'm sure they're very very thankful for for uh, for the work that you do. Um, but yeah, 2021 and going forward, I think it's going to be a huge a big turning point for for the outdoors community, and I hope that people more people get to do these these long distance trails. Um. I think we'll leave it at that. Uh, I don't have any more questions anyway. Um, and I appreciate all the time that you're giving us here. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. This was awesome. It was nice and laid back and just got to kind of talk about whatever. So awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. And, and, and I look forward to seeing uh, you out doing the CDT and all the trails that you got planned doing. Hopefully we get to see you coming over to Ireland and hiking around Ireland at some point. And uh, we've plenty of beautiful trails over here for you to do. If you're, even if you're just doing a circumnavigation of the country, you can link trails all around the country. 
And uh, I would love to. That's yeah, that's top. That would be a dream. I, Ireland is so beautiful in just the little, little blip that I've seen. It's stunning. So I would love to. Yeah. And you could, you can get from one side of the country to the other in a couple of weeks. So it's not, sounds great. Not as, as tough as the Appalachian Trail. Um, yeah. Looking forward to seeing all your work in the future. And again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, speak to you soon. Thank you so much for having me. Well, was it worth the wait? I think so. I'd like to hear what you think. As I said before, you can email us at podcast at hiker.co or if you just want to go and share the podcast, I'm cool with that. Like it, share it, comment on it, whatever you think. Thanks for listening. New episode coming up in two weeks time. And until then, take care of yourselves, take care of each other and happy trails.